0: Good morning. This is All People's Church coming to you from Flagstaff, Arizona. It is March 20th, 2022. Today we are going verse by verse through 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll be starting with verse 1.
1: Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others, epistles of of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life.
2: But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passed away, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of the condemnation had glory and the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, for even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope
3: nevertheless when one turns to the lord the veil is taken away now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty but we all with unveiled face behold as a mirror the, the glory of the lord are being transformed in the same image from the from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the lord
0: amen may the lord add his blessing to the reading of the word Father, I would like to ask you to anoint your word today. Lord, I pray that I would accurately portray you, portray your Holy Son and also the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that today's lesson will be transforming to all who hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. I entitled this lesson, Ministry of the Spirit. And I don't know if you guys ever pre-read the lesson that we're going to have the next week, but if you had read this and thought, man, I just don't see anything in this that's gonna be, that's gonna be really teachable or it's gonna be something that will really enlighten me. And I probably started out thinking the same way But as I delve deeper into this chapter, it turns out that this chapter is an amazing chapter in what it teaches about the Holy Spirit. Denise, would you please read verse 1?
4: Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you?
0: You know, even in the first verse, you might be thinking, well, this chapter is really getting off to a slow start because he's just talking to these Corinthians and it's really between them and it's, how does that apply to us? And I agree with you because right here, he's really just saying to them, do we need to introduce ourselves to each other again? Do we need to restart our relationship? Verse 2.
4: You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men.
0: Okay, now things are going to start quickly getting better and better. Verses 2 and 3 are really beautifully written. Beautifully written. And I think we sometimes look at Paul as really just a preacher of the gospel, and we don't really appreciate the fact that he writes extremely well. If you weren't moved in your spirit by the truth of what he's reading, at least we would be moved by the beauty of his words. Paul talks about the Corinthians as if they are his children in the faith, as indeed they are since he oversees them with the love of a father. This is entirely appropriate. There should be a feeling of family between the members of the church and also between the pastors and the congregation. Verse 3.
4: Clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Ministered by us. Written not with ink. But by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone. But on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart.
0: See how beautiful that is. I want to read those two verses again. and, And not hesitate between them. You are our epistle. Written in our hearts. Known and read of all men. Epistle. Is just a. A Greek word which means letter. Verse 3, clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us. Those Those are key phrases right there. And here's the beautiful part. Written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Lest anyone should think... Paul is overstepping his position or authority. He makes plain they are Christ. Right, right in that first phrase, he says clearly, "You are an epistle of Christ." He says, "You belong to Christ. You're His. You're not mine. You're His." And but he says after that, "Ministered by us." Right there, he's saying he's showing that his responsibility is that of a minister. He clearly keeps everything in line. That's one of the main things we need to to take away from Paul. His, he does not overstep his authority and he does not take upon himself things that are not his. He doesn't take ownership of the church. He ministers to the church, but he doesn't own it. He ministers to these Christians, but he didn't save them. He just told them about Christ and they were saved. So He is one of the neatest people to consider if you ever think about being in the ministry because he keeps his pride and and any of his other emotions in check. And he does a great job just stating it very clearly here in verse 3. He says, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us. Verse 4.
4: And we have such trust through Christ toward God.
0: Now, this is an important statement he makes, and it's completely easy to to just blow right through that verse and not. It's like, well, so what, right? But this trust, this trust. What is a trust? It's one of the key words today, and I would like to read the definition of it. A trust. Now, there's there's a gazillion different definitions of trust. I mean, it's a word that has a lot, uh, is used in a lot of different ways in the English language. But the third definition, 3a in fact, says, the fact of having confidence placed in one. And then part b says, the responsibility or obligation resulting from this. And that's what Paul is talking about. He says this trust, let's go back down to verse four. He says, and we have this trust. What he's really talking about, he's saying, I have the responsibility and obligation resulting from the confidence God has put in me. Paul feels the burden of his trust to oversee the the Christians of Corinth. And so this is entirely appropriate. He has a trust. He does have a responsibility. And he's trying to fulfill that responsibility to this church. Verse 5.
4: Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God.
0: Again, I just love Paul. See, that's this is another one of those scriptures that says he's saying, Look, I am nothing. <laughs> he says, not that I'm sufficient. I'm not sufficient for this. I'm not sufficient for this responsibility. He says, and this idea of sufficiently relates back to the previous chapter. I know you guys remember this, where in chapter two, verse sixteen, Paul During his his discourse on the fragrance of the knowledge of God, he asked, and who is sufficient for these things? What he's talking about, he says, I'm not sufficient in myself. And every minister from time to time feels this sense of inadequacy. I promise you there's times that I do, and I can't speak for Denise, but I promise you there's times that I feel very inadequate as a minister of the gospel. This insufficiency concerning the responsibility of educating and shepherding their flock. That's where you feel inadequate. You say, am I, am I doing a good enough job for them? You feel it. You feel that responsibility. But I love his proclamation. He says, but our sufficiency is in God or is from God. And I feel that way today. If there's anything that's accomplished through these verses that we talk about, if there's any growth that happens in someone's life, it is because God makes us sufficient to understand His Word and to preach it. Verse 6.
4: Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life.
0: I want you to underline if you want to, or at least realize that when he says sufficient as ministers of the new covenant he says who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant paul is saying god made me sufficient to be a minister of the new covenant he says i understand it i've studied it the holy spirit has revealed the new covenant to me and i'm sufficient to teach and preach it and then he says not of the letter but of the Spirit. I underlined of the Spirit. Let's turn to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the
1: house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I had made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, For I will forgive their inequity and their sin, and I will remember, and their sin I will remember no more.
0: This is from Jeremiah 31st chapter 31 through 34. It says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. There's a new covenant coming. It's prophesied. He says, it's going to be different from the one that I gave to the the nation of Israel when they were in Egypt. It's going to be different from that. And one of the ways it's going to be different, he says, is no longer is everyone going to have to talk to each other and remind each other of what I said. He says, I'm going to put it in their heart. That is key. That is, that is transformative. It's like Put it in red letters. It's a banner headline. He says, this is going to be different. He says, all of them shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. But the key thing I'm thinking there is how how is it going to be that they are going to know me from the the least to the greatest? How are they going to know me? What What is different about this covenant? Okay, let's talk about it. As disciples, it is important for us to be able to compare and contrast the Old Covenant, which is the Old Testament, basically, and the New Covenant, which is the New Testament. The Old Testament was based on righteousness derived from the sacrifice of animals primarily and by other works if done by faith. That's the key. The Old Covenant was a covenant of sacrifice in works, and it was accounted to those that participated if it was done in faith. The New Testament righteousness, here's the similarities, right? We need to compare and contrast these two co- covenants. Here are the similarities. The New Testament righteousness is also based on faith and also relies on a sacrifice. But this sacrifice is the man christ jesus both testaments were approved by god himself that's very important to know the old testament was approved by god it was his idea the new testament is also but there is a huge difference between them the first could never change mankind on the inside the core the inner man the second is greater And supplants the first because change on the inside defines this this new covenant. It defines it. Change on the inside. The first covenant was based on knowledge of the law. The second, this is important, the second on the leading and correction of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason I entitled this chapter, ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see that in verse 8. Paul uses those very words. When you are saved, that is accept Jesus as the only means of forgiveness of sins and also accept him as your spiritual master, your inner spirit man is made alive. That is born again. That is what salvation is. And then your spirit man is able to hear the Holy Spirit as he guides and corrects. This is the greatest revealer of salvation. You are different on the inside. If you ever wanted to know, am I saved? I would ask you, are you different on the inside? Things you couldn't do before, you can do now. Things you couldn't stop doing, you can now choose if you will or won't do them. Salvation breaks the power of sin. From the moment of salvation, you are on a journey of saying no to sin and selfishness and yes to righteousness and the will of God. Listening to the Holy Spirit allows you to progress on the road of holiness, which is God's goal for all of us. Let me say that again. Listening to the Holy Spirit allows you to progress on the road of holiness, which is God's goal for all of us. It allows you to live the life of righteousness which Jesus taught in the Gospels. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, he's talking about the old covenant, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Verse 8, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious you see when he talks about this is an old testament story about moses and when moses was in the presence of the lord for so long receiving the the law from god it says that when he came down from the mountain that his face glowed and so there was a time afterwards that moses actually wore a veil over his face and paul is saying you know that was a glorious thing But this second covenant is way past the first one. It is way more glorious than that one. Verse 8 says, How will the ministry of the Spirit? And that's what we need to learn today. What is the ministry of the Spirit? Paul is is really teaching us something. We can just read this chapter and not get it if we're not careful. But verse 8 is pivotal. This is the central point of this chapter and one of the central points of the teaching of Jesus and consequently of Paul. Think about that. The ministry of the Spirit. We are not under the law. Our spiritual existence is a result of the gift of God, salvation through the grace of God. A necessary part of this new spiritual life is that God's commandments concerning living righteously are written in our heart. From verse 3 above, we see that we are living letters of Jesus Christ, written by the Spirit of God in tablets of flesh, that is, our inner heart. Therefore, to live out this new life, we must be attentive to the leading and correction of the Holy Spirit. We must not only spend time reading the Word of God, listen to this, but we must spend time in prayer in order to be aware of and develop sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. It is this ministry of the Spirit which must be cultivated every day. See guys, we are no longer under the first covenant. It is not enough for us to read just the Word. (laughs) <laughs> it's really... I know I'm I'm big on the Word, right? I read the Word every day. But this new covenant is more than that. Reading of the Word is just one part. This new covenant is better than the old covenant, which was indeed just reading of the law. It was really just knowledge of the law. That was the, that was the original covenant. This new covenant is way better than that because now the Holy Spirit's ministry is to write upon our hearts God's will. It really tells us what God's laws are for us. I guess this is the best way to say it. We are living letters of Jesus Christ written by the Spirit of God in tablets of flesh. See, that's how, right? We go back to Jeremiah. He says, they're not going to have to talk to each other all the time and remind each other all the time about the law. He says, I'm going to put it in their heart. What I want them to do is going to be in their heart. Verse 9.
4: For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory.
0: The ministry of righteousness. See, there's two verses. Verse 8 says, The ministry of the Spirit and Paul explains what the ministry of the Spirit is in verse nine, verse nine, for if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness, that's what the Holy Spirit's ministry is, exceeds much in glory. Now there's a whole lot to be said about the Holy Spirit, but his primary purpose is to talk to us in our hearts. This is a key verse to understand the New Covenant. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of righteousness. God wants a holy people. Submission to the Holy Spirit is the means of achieving it. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10.
2: But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy.
0: That's a great scripture. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. Can I emphasize a few things there that Twilight just read? But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and this, I, I highlighted this and underlined it, a holy nation. The idea of a lukewarm church full of sin and carnalness is not even contemplated by the Holy Trinity. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27.
3: That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word, excuse me, the washing of water by the word but that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she
0: should be holy and without blemish. Wow. Wow, do you realize I am preaching something today that is not preached? (laughs) I want to tell you something. This is not preached. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is a ministry of righteousness. God intends to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. He expects to be able to speak into our heart about about His, His desire, His will for us, the things that we might do that offend Him. He wants to be able to speak to us through the Holy Spirit. I emphasized in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 both of those verses are incredible. He says that he might sanctify... I'm just. If you don't mind, I'm going to read them again. This is just so good, it's worth doing. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. He might present to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be what? Holy. I highlighted it and underlined it, that she should be holy and without blemish. In today's church, there is a great need for someone to say, listen, you can do better than what you're doing. So much of the church is wallowing in sin so much of the church they, there's no difference between the way they live and their unsaved neighbors and if i could just say one thing to you your neighbors that know you're a christian they will respect you if you'll live like a christian but they are disgusted with us when we say we're a christian and we live sinful lives They obviously say, what's the difference? What's the point? And I say the same thing. Because it says in Ephesians 5, verse 27, talking about the church, that she should be holy and without blemish. And that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we do today in churches, and I'll just say American churches, is that we downplay the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Verse 10, Denise.
4: For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels.
0: And as I said before, the new covenant far exceeds the old covenant. The new is so much better than the old that in reality there is no comparison. And we as disciples ought to be Very knowledgeable of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We ought to be able to compare and contrast the two with anyone that would ask us. Verse 11.
4: For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Verse
0: 12.
4: Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech.
0: When you see a statement like, we have such hope, stop and ask yourself, what is this hope? After months of verse-by-verse teaching, you should be able to answer such questions. Would you read verse 13 through 16, please?
4: Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away.
0: Verse 16, let's key in on it. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, that's key. Highlight it, underline it. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil is only removed through faith in and submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You'll never understand the new covenant until you turn to Christ. Verse 17.
4: Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty.
0: This is one of the most famous and often quoted scriptures in the whole Bible. Now the Lord is the Spirit. What does that mean? Now, the Lord is the Spirit. He's saying that for a reason. This emphasizes the unity of the Trinity. We do not give the Holy Spirit proper respect. The Holy Spirit is just like Jesus being with us. If we would be respectful to Jesus, we ought to be respectful to the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus indicates to us listen, you you can say anything you want about me, but don't you say anything about the Holy Spirit, right? Didn't he caution them about that? He said, listen, don't do it. Jesus is saying, look, you show honor to the Holy Spirit. You be respectful to the Holy Spirit. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is no longer bondage for us to the written law, but instead... Liberty by means of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. We follow His laws written on our heart. When He nudges you, when you get that inner feeling that you are erring, listen and repent. Turn away. Turn away. If the Holy Spirit says don't do it, don't do it. Denise and I tell this story because it's, it's unique between she and I. Because we were doing something we thought was right. We were out on a mountain road, and we were doing some, really, some exploring. We were way out, way out in the country, 20 miles from town. And when we turned onto a a forest road, we we saw some items that had fallen off a truck. And just as our name, we're curious. So I got out and began to look, and it was electrical equipment like for a new house. And we thought, this is good stuff, I did. I thought, this is good stuff and it's just laying here in the mud. So I started picking it up and I, I thought, well, well, we'll give it to someone. And I thought of an electrician that we knew lo- locally who often does work for others. And I thought, well, maybe he could use it. So I, I picked it up, I, all of it that I could gather up and I put it in the back of the truck thinking, this is a great find and it can be useful to someone. (laughs) And it was about lunchtime. And so Denise and I, we turned around and went back down one of the roads where we thought there was a good view where we could have our lunch. And I'm telling this story in detail because I want you to understand that she and I were not talking about this to each other. Other than to say, just the normal things which is do you mind if we stop here and i'll get out and get this and then after that all we talked about was having lunch we went and we got stopped we got our sandwiches out we began to eat i don't know that we talked about any of this electrical equipment while we ate either but the whole time i was eating (laughs) the holy spirit was talking to me guys listen i promise you it wasn't me talking to myself cause if it was me, I had no I want you to know I had no problem picking up stuff that had fallen off a truck that was lying in the mud and and if it's not picked up, it's going to get run over by other vehicles coming by. I had no problem with that. But while we were having lunch, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and what he was saying to me was go put it back. It's not yours. <laughs> Here's the the funny part. Unbeknownst to me, guess what he was saying to Denise? The same thing. After lunch, I said, one of us said, I don't remember which one said it first. But one of us said, I think we need to go put that stuff back. And then the other person said, I do too. Let's go right now. (laughs) Let's go put it back right now. Guys, guys. That's an example, and I use this example because there's, it's not embarrassing to Denise and I. If we had been doing something wrong in our minds and wrong that everyone else would consider wrong, it would be hard for me to relate the story. But this one is one of those where, you know, most of us can, can see what we did, and it's like, okay, so what's wrong with that? but to the Holy Spirit, it was wrong. And you might say, well, is that written somewhere in some law in this new covenant that we live under? No, it's not written. But he was speaking to Denise and I as loudly as if he was sitting in that truck with us. His ministry is the ministry of righteousness. And he was telling us, go put it back. It's not yours. Does He talk to us throughout the day, throughout the week, while we're at work, while we're at play, while we're at home? Yes, He does speak to us. If you are a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit does speak. My question is, are you listening? Are you hearing? When the Holy Spirit speaks, are you just tuning Him out? Or are you listening? That's the reason I said it's really important to read the Word. That's where we're getting this teaching today. It's from the Word. It's strictly from chapter uh, 3. I haven't embellished it in any way. I I haven't added to these scriptures in any way. It is written there. These scriptures are important. But they're not enough. You have to pray. It's in prayer that the Holy Spirit often begins to talk to you. And it's in prayer that you begin to be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Your spirit man becomes sensitized to his voice. Verse 18, Denise.
4: But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord.
0: Okay, this is the conclusion of today's message. With unveiled face, verse 18, it says, with unveiled face. The the veil's gone, y'all. It's unveiled. Those who have turned to the Lord, right? That's when the veil's removed, is when you repent and turn to the Lord and accept Him as your Savior and your Lord who behold dimly the outline of the Lord. He says, Paul uses the word beholding as in a mirror. And I'm assuming that mirrors back in those days were not of the same quality as a modern mirror. You know, you you could get the general view of the image, but it wasn't perfect. You know, it was sort of dim. He says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So we behold dimly the outline of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image. That's the point. We want to be transformed into that same image that we see dimly. If you want more of Christ Jesus in your life, if you want to do the works of Christ and show the compassion of Christ, then hear and absorb the words of the Master concerning the Holy Spirit found in the following passages. Let's turn to John 14th chapter. We're going to read verses 12 through 18. Most
1: assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be
0: in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is talking about the new covenant. He is talking about the Holy Spirit. He goes through verses 12 through 14, and they are beautiful. Those those are beautiful scriptures. Those are worth committing to memory. He says, most assuredly in verse 12, most assuredly, he says, This is Jesus talking. I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do. Right? Jesus is saying, he's saying, look, guys, you will do greater things than I did. Because why? Because I go to my father. And and then he makes a beautiful, beautiful promise to us. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And he says, this is a really, this is a key scripture right here. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. But the part I want to focus on today is the 16 through 18. He follows all of that beautiful stuff he just said with these words. He says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, he's telling us who it is. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Your unsaved neighbors cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Those are key words. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You know, the beautiful thing is the idea of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one in purpose. We need to seek to be filled, to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 7.
2: Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you.
0: Jesus is talking about the new covenant. He says, it's so important that I leave and that the Holy Spirit come. Why? Because... The new covenant is not based on laws written on tablets of stone. It's based on laws written in the heart. That's the reason the Holy Spirit is key. It's so much more advantageous for you that I leave because then the Holy Spirit will come. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's the reason we need the Holy Spirit. In today's church, the emphasis is on salvation. And that's great. That is awesome. That's the beginning. That's the beginning step. But the second part is to seek the Holy Spirit. Because you need Him. All of the things that Jesus said in verses 12, He says, The works that I do, He will do also. And greater than these, because I go to my Father. He says the reason that, this is gonna, that you're going to do this is because when I go to my Father, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will come and live in you. We are taught in Acts that after the early church Christians were saved, after they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, sometimes at that very moment, as soon as they had turned to the Lord, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there were other times when they were saved, but they were filled later. One of the first times that this is recorded is in the 10th chapter of Acts in the household of Cornelius. As soon as he preached the good news to them, they must have accepted it in their hearts. They must have said, yes, that's for me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And it says what? They were immediately filled with the Holy Spirit. And how did they know? With the evidence of speaking in tongues. I know it's so crazy. It is so against modern man's thinking. It's a God thing, as for starters. It is not carnal. It is not of the mind. It is absolutely opposite. You, you can't think it. You can't think yourself into being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't earn yourself into being filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? You turn. You turn toward Jesus and accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and then begin to seek the Holy Spirit. If you're not immediately filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to seek it. One of the things that happens as you begin to pray and seek God and in your time of devotion is that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you through the Word, and that you will begin to change things you'll begin to lay things down that are not pleasing to the Lord. You'll begin to do things that are pleasing to the Lord. I promise you this, that there will come a day that if you will continue to, to pursue the Lord, that the Holy Spirit will fill you. I always think to myself about, about my own tongue My tongue gets me in more trouble than any other thing. (laughs) It's the hardest thing for me to control. And I think that oftentimes there's other people like me. And that it was a while before I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think there were a lot of things that the Lord dealt with me between the time I was saved and the time I received the Holy Spirit. And I believe that one of the last things was brought into subjection to the Lord. And still, I'm still, you know, there are times when I have to bite my tongue, right? That's the old saying, bite your tongue, right? Don't say it. But I believe that there was a time, finally, in my life where I was to the point where I was submitted to the Lord. And I think probably one of the last things was my tongue. But there was a time when the Holy Spirit filled me and I spoke in tongues. And He is the reason that on that trail, way out in that road, way out in the woods, that I went and put that electrical equipment back. I put it in a nice plastic bag and stacked it beside the road so that hopefully whoever lost it could find it. But I promise you that was not me that did that. It was under, I did do it, but it was under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I heard Him talking to me. And today, let us be transformed into the image of Christ by the Spirit of the Lord. Now you know why I chose ministry of the Spirit from verse 8 as the theme of chapter 3. Amen. Amen. This message has been brought to you by All People's Church. We are a virtual church headquartered in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you have found this audio message to be useful and you would like to join us for our Sunday service, please find the Zoom link on our website at apcofaz.org. Our service starts at 10am Mountain Standard Time. If you would like to know more about eternal life through Jesus, continue to listen for more information. The first and most important step to eternal life through Jesus is to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. It is an act of the will. The basics of salvation or reconciliation with God the Father can be summarized in three statements. First, you must understand that we are all spiritually dead, that is, separated from God, and cannot be reconciled to Him on our own. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and have no means to atone for our sins. We have no remedy second you must believe in your heart that jesus is the one sent by god the bible says in john 20 31 but these are written speaking of the signs that jesus did during his earthly ministry that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that believing you may have life in his name and john 3:16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The sacrifice of His Son was God's plan for salvation for all humanity. Our only part in this plan is whether or not we will believe it and accept it. Third, confess with your mouth. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it is written, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Essentially, this is very simple. It means you must pronounce your faith to God in prayer. There is no right prayer. Prayer is conversation. So say to God what is really in your heart many sample prayers include affirmative statements concerning the three points above such as this one father in heaven i have sinned against you i have hurt other people and i've hurt myself i believe you sent jesus to die for my sins i accept your gift of salvation thank you for forgiving me of my sins Help me to love and live as a follower of Jesus should. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Finally, go to church on Sunday to strengthen your faith. Accepting Christ Jesus as your Savior is the first step, but the journey of faith is a long one. There is much to learn, and you will need friends to help. We would love for you to attend All People's Church and become part of our fellowship. As noted above, it is as easy as clicking on the Zoom link found at apcofaz.org. Contact me by Facebook Messenger or by email at apcofarizona at protonmail.com for more information or to talk about faith in Jesus Christ. My prayers are with you, and I hope to hear from you.